It's something for nothing. The Rush Fan Cast. Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, it's the holiday season. It is. Happy holidays, Steve. Hey, thanks. And I'm feeling very thankful over the holiday season. For? For, number one, all of our listeners. That's true. Who've been listening for over two years, which is crazy. (laughs) It is crazy. Right? Yeah. We don't even want to listen to ourselves anymore. <laughs> and also for all the friends we've made through this podcast. That, you know, that's very true. We have a lot of people that we've had on as guests that we now consider friends. That's right. I talk to them uh, a lot. And one of those people is a guest of ours today, which we're very excited about. That's true. We had a great time with them the first time to talk about Rush FAQ. Yep. Max Mobley's with us. We'll be with him in moments. But first, I must tell you, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, you can find us at The Rushcast. Email Jerry, TheRushcast at gmail.com. The bass intro and outro, we're thankful for him too. That is Lex. Subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app. Give us a nice review if you choose. And Jerry, I hope you have an email to get us started. I do. This is from Brian. What's up, Brian? He says, thanks for providing 60 minutes of insight and entertainment every week. Hope you can tolerate one more Rush origin story. I think we can. Oh, absolutely. In October of 1978, I was finally able to get a ride from my home in an isolated part of Long Island to the nearest Sam Goody record store. I was looking forward to buying an album with the money I had received for my 16th birthday a month earlier. I quickly decided on Boston's second album, Don't Look Back. When I brought the record to the cashier, I was shocked to learn that the price was an exorbitant $8. What? $8 in 1978. (laughs) That's probably like $70 today for all I know. Yeah, $8 is a lot for 1978. I put the album back and commenced my search for some good but reasonably priced music. Eventually, I found my way to the new releases rack where I discovered a crazy-looking album with floating brains and a naked guy on the cover. Hemispheres had been released that day. And most importantly, it was only (laughs) $4.75. Bargain. That purchase was a pivotal event, which eventually influenced every facet of my life. Thankfully, my frugality led to the sincere appreciation for Rush that is shared by both you and all of your listeners. Keep up the great work. P.S. I'd offer to buy you lunch if you're ever in Long Island, but I'm still too cheap to do so. Brian. I respect that. Thank you, Brian. Maybe we can just meet on the corner. Yeah, meet on the say corner. Just say hello. No lunch. No lunch exchange. You know, we could buy him lunch for listening. That's true. We could buy him lunch for listening. We, we start that trend. We could foot the bill one of these times, right? Sure. We have to find our way out to Long Island. That's true. That's true. That may never happen. <laughs> that might never happen. <laughs> you know, one of the topics we've talked about so many times over the past two plus years, Jer, is Alex Lifeson solos and how amazing they are. That is true. So what we decided to do today, we've done this with albums. We've done this with songs. We decided to count down our top five Alex Lifeson solos. That's right. We did bass lines. Oh yeah. We did that with with Lex Lex, Mm -hmm. and we did uh, drum parts. Yep. With Ron Lipnicki. Right. Right. So it only goes to follow that we should do Alex solos. That's right. And to help us out, we're bringing back one of our favorite past guests, author of Rush FAQ, all that's left to know about rock's greatest power trio, Max Mobley. Welcome back to the Rush Fancast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be back. 
Max, you're a guitarist. Why don't we start out by you telling us about Alex's influence on you as a guitarist? You may have touched on this when we had you on before, but it's apropos here. I agree. It, it really is. You know, I'm really lucky that I grew up and discovered Rush at a young age because he was my you know, magnetic north in how to serve the song as a guitar player, how to get the guitar in a keyboard heavy mix, what a solo should be, and all those what the guitar parts can be and should be. He is the anti-wanker. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there was a period in the 80s when everybody's kind of like, look how fast I can play them all. Uh, he stayed true to what he was, and he's just meant the world to me as a guitar player. And I'll just add real quick, whenever I get, and I get out now and then I get, hey, you kind of sounds like Alex, or that part kind of sounds like Alex. It's like, you just you made my day. <laughs> so what, in your estimation, should a solo be? How does a solo fit into a song? That's a great question. The solo needs to be about the song and connect to the song in some way. Number one. It's not just uh, here's 16 measures to show how good you are as a guitar player or how fast or how many notes you could put in there. And Alex has really set the bar higher than anyone. And, and I was actually thinking about this real quick. So, you know, Gilmore, David Gilmore, obviously a fantastic guitar player, fantastic soloist. But a lot of his solos, you can kind of plug into different Pink Floyd songs and they would work. Alex's solos are specific to each song, each one fits either the mood or the lyrics or the story or the energy and it expands on or complements or contrasts the story in some way and if you can do that with a guitar solo you're you're knocking it out of the park now would it make sense to say that alex almost plays these solos without thinking he just goes by complete feel when he's recording these uh, yeah based on me learning trying to learn a couple absolutely <laughs> they're just like <laughs> None of the, like all the things, I don't know, I'm not, you know, very well taught as a musician, but everywhere he puts his fingers and everywhere his phrasings go is not where one would expect them when you play them. And it really does come, I think it should come from a place of feeling and energy. How hard is it to get in that headspace though, as a guitarist yourself, where you're not even thinking about the solo, you're just feeling the moment and letting it happen? You know, I think if you are in a, in a good band, fortunate, to, fortunate enough to be in a good band, with good players and you all connect, it's not that hard. And you're generally a feeling player anyway. You know, obviously Alex has the gift of Getty and Neil to, to play with. And if you listen to these solos, it caught my attention how Getty and Neil really switch into serving Alex and what he's got to do in these solos. Yeah, well, that's the other part too, right? Is that in a lot of bands, especially like you said, like the 80s bands, maybe the hair metal bands of the 80s, everyone is just playing the same thing and then the guys start soloing. You know, it's just like, it just this crazy solo over a part of the song that's already been repeated yeah. ad nauseum already. But Getty and Neil, sometimes they do different things so that the solo sounds even better because it's like a whole new palette. Exactly. It's just magical how they work together like that. And you're right, in the 80s, you know, it's just we're going to play another verse and the guitar player will solo instead of the singer singing. But I don't know of a song where Rush has ever done that, uh, maybe back in the early, early days. Yeah, they they get into it and they dig in and Getty is just throwing down, a, you know, this these monster feels and and Neil's playing off of that. And, and Alex just has this wonderful bed um, for inspiration. So we're going to do our top five Alex Lifeson solos. We talked about this before we started recording, but guys, how hard was this for you to whittle hundreds of solos down to five? I thought it was 50. It's five. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, you got to drop the zero. Oh, okay. Oh, man. All right. Can I have more time? That must have been a typo in the email I sent you. Sorry <laughs> That's right. That. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just wishful thinking on my part. Yeah, it was incredibly hard. And it was you know, the ultimate Sophie's choice of all these songs. When, when I got the email from you, Jerry, I, you know, I had 15 solos in my head already. I'm like, okay, I can work from there and get it down. And then, you know, it just grew. The list actually grew <laughs> instead of shrunk. Right. Um, and there are so many choices. I could, I, you know, if we did this, this podcast, if we recorded this tomorrow, I might give you, there's a few songs I would never move, but there's a few I probably, I might switch out. Yeah. You know, I, uh, a, a long time ago, almost a year ago, I think I did a rush round table with Ryan from at rush fans. It was episode 56 or something where we did Al, our favorite Alex solos. We did five and I didn't go back to watch it because I figured why would I do that? You know, it takes some time. I don't know. I don't like to prepare for things. I know the feeling. <laughs> so then I made this list again and I think I, and then I went back and looked at it real quick and I think I got three from that same one. So like three of the five are the same, which is good. I think because it, it shows that these, these three songs are still embedded in my head is some of my favorites. Yeah, that, that is awesome. And I know there's probably at least two on my list that that would never leave the list. And there was a lot of old stuff and obscure stuff um, that I just felt had to be in there. And some of it made the cut, some of it didn't. Uh, it's just so dang hard because it's there's so many. And it's just so good. There's so many. It's insane how many there are. I mean, on one album, you're like, oh, geez, man. Right, yeah. It's almost like, you know, putting the songs up on a, on a dartboard and throwing darts at them. Yeah. Like, okay, that's, that could be number one. <laughs> exactly. Works for me. We'll do it again. You get diff different results. Still works. Yeah. I mean, you could do, you could do five songs from each album that has six or more songs. You know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So why don't we get started? Max, let's start with you. What is your number five Alex Lifeson amazing solo? My number five. And I, it's just sad that it's the last one on the list because I've loved this solo since the first time I heard it. It was a life-changing solo for me. And the winner is Kid Gloves from Grace Under Pressure Studio Version. Wow. Great choice. That is a great choice. Again, talk about a solo that fits the song. You know, that song has a very odd time angular riff. Uh, there's some, it's an angsty song about coming of age. And that solo is just got a certain level of franticness to it. Obviously very original. I mean, you, I could just picture Alex in the studio playing it and you, and it's just, I'm sure he's just bouncing off the walls and probably could barely stand up trying to get all those notes out the way he did it. The, the timing and the phrasing, everything is fully original. It's just a one in a million solo, nothing out there like it you'll ever hear. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is that he plays the beginning of that. He starts wanking out, right? You're like, oh, he's just going to, this is going to be a wanker of a solo, <laughs> but he doesn't. He just stops it cold. He stops the wanking cold. 
and starts playing other things all over the place. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and 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 builds, you know, and it just builds yeah. in. It just it's got a great crescendo, great dynamics. And like you said, it fits the song perfectly. Fits the song perfectly. So, Jerry, you're number five. What you got? Well, this one, this one, I think is is a deep. It's probably the deepest cut of all deep cuts. It's the solo in "No One at the Bridge" from the Fountain of Lemnos. Wow! Wow! How's that for you? You like that one? I love that. I love it. Your reasoning? Again, it's it's kind of a bluesy solo. Mm-hmm. And it's just all to me, it's just all feeling. The whole thing is feeling. Not it's not flashy. I think that's the that's the the thing that ties all of my favorite solos together. Is that it's not flashy at all. Yeah. He's just killing it. <laughs> super tasteful, super emotive. And it just fits the rest of the song is kind of like sort of like a mid-tempo-ish kind of song. Yeah. Then he kind of comes in, and the tone, too, the tone just cuts through the whole song. It's yeah. really just amazing. Yeah. Terry Brown was so excellent at recording Alex's guitar sound and capturing that great sound of his early Marshall and High Watt days. He didn't, you know, wasn't using a lot of pedals because there weren't a lot around them. I actually have a song from, I don't want to give too much away, I have a song from that era, I'll say, mm. that literally like 90 minutes ago had to... Had to put it in? Had to leave it out. Had to move oh. it. I know. <laughs> after this, we have, I'll tell you what it was after, but I don't want to say anything now. Yeah, we'll do honorable mentions after we're finished, I think. There you go. Steve, what about you? My number five is from Signals, one of my favorite Rush songs of all time, The Analog Kid. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> I guess. An audible gasp from the crowd. <laughs> it starts out with that wah, 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 and then Alex just tears into it. It's so fast, it's so complicated, but it still has that dreamlike quality for me that fits in with the song perfectly, even though it's a ripping solo. Your thoughts, guys? I fully agree. And uh, again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk later, but um, it's also a great, a great example of his, of his early whammy bar use. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he started with permanent waves, I guess, but, but that one has got some really good whammy stuff. It, it, again, another one that just builds and gets gets just crazy and it is kind of noty for an alex solo but it's just so well done and it just climbs and climbs and climbs and has that energy of a, again that energy of a of a you know teenager of a guy wanting to be an adult not knowing to do all these hormones and energies yep 
So, Max, what is your number four choice, sir? My number four choice is The Weapon from Grace Under Pressure Live. Oh, wow. Grace Under Pressure Live. Interesting. Scatty. Very scatty, that one. for the live version uh the, the, you know the studio version is great and they're not that different but in the live version the way that solo starts he's just kind of playing down low and with the keyboard bed and he's just kind of doing some some harmonics and some flavorings and, and a little bit of whammy and stuff but he's not really playing any like particular riffs or, or phrases and then he just slowly builds out of that sort of quietness into this very intense and you know, melodic solo that is very phrase based. And it, and when that cuts to that part on that song, you know, the band changes what they're doing. Neil and Getty play what they're doing. And it just, there's just this like a door slamming mm-hmm. transition there. And it just works so well. So glad we have you here, Max. You're describing these so much better than we are. Yeah, that's true. Thank goodness. It's so hard. Like, I, I don't know if I am or not, but I'm like, oh, how, you know, like, what's a banana taste like? It is a little bit like that. <laughs> Doesn't taste like banana candy, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, it does not. All right, Jer, what's your number four? My number four is the camera eye from oh, Boogie Pictures. I got to stop gasping. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I like the gasp. <laughs> Because again, talk about a tasteful solo. 
right? And it comes at the end of this song. So how many minutes is it into the song, right? Oh, yeah, like nine minutes in, right? Yeah, it's like Alex has been just waiting at that gas pedal the entire <laughs> song. And it just starts off so beautifully. I mean, who starts a solo with like this note that you just kind of hang on to, right? Yeah. Instead of, again, instead of just kind of going off and showing his chops, he's, he's showing his talent instead of his chops all the time. Yeah. And just kind of slides, kind of slides right into this solo. It's, it's just amazing. It just reminds me of the, since the song is about two cities, you know, it's like, it's like coming in, it's like coming into a city and just like walking the streets. You know what I mean? It's absolutely perfect. Yeah. Very well stated. And it is a great example of him playing by emotion and playing by the story and not a scale or some other thing. Right. And Steve, you have a fourth. My fourth is from Moving Pictures. It is YYZ. This solo almost sounds like a violin to me. It's it's so beautiful. <laughs> really, it does. And it to me, it almost has a European flavor to it. But I found a quote from Alex. This was uh, on a blog called ZZ Sounds. I don't know where the quote came from. But Alex said, the solo to YYZ is quite different. It has almost an ethnic sound. There I'm responding to the background, which to me suggested something reminiscent of a Middle Eastern scene. Who knows, it may be the influence of listening to Yugoslavian music as a child creeping into a Rush song. There you go. I just think it's an amazing solo. Like the song, it sounds like you're flying when you're listening to his solo. Yeah. And it, um, I actually, so it does have a, what I consider a Middle Eastern vibe and it's a lot of sort of little like half-step increments that you wouldn't normally hear in rock and roll and a rock and roll solo anyway. But um, I actually... That was the last Alex solo I I want to say I've tried to learn because I'm still struggling to pull it off cleanly. Like I, I can't play it at a level where I'd ever play it out, out live. Um, and it was just so hard. And again, like like note for note, phrase for phrase, it's like, okay, well, those like aren't incredibly complex or super speedy things he's doing, but just the timing, how articulate he is in playing that stuff. Um, and, and just his, his, own phrasing which is only him you know um no one else plays like that it, that's it was just a it was a ball breaker for me to learn i don't know if i can, <laughs> I can say that um believe me out but it was just such a challenge to learn that and i couldn't wait and i'm like dang this has been like a month and i'm still not nailing it it's so hard especially that climb down at the end you know that takes you into the synthy part mm-hmm. and then he's playing those beautiful wrung out notes under the synth, I mean, on top of the synth parts there. Um, it's just, goose, it's a goosebump moment in a solo. Absolutely. So Max, what's your number three? Wow, number three already. Um, number three, this was a tough one. I, this one was also being swapped in and out with, a, with several other songs. And it is from Power Windows, and it is Marathon. Oh, now I'm gasping. <laughs> <laughs> Usually you don't say that, Steve, you just gasp. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
I'm laughing right now. Why marathon, Max? I, you know, one of I, well, because of, of kid gloves and the weapons are, are more manic in a lot of places, and I don't say busy, but there is stuff a lot going on. Marathon is much more melodic, laid back, bendy notes with delay and reverb, super lush, super emotional, and the way it it comes out of that back into the song is another huge goosebump thing. He's just feeling it. It's not. Uh, you know, it, that one is probably one of the easier solos to learn if one wanted to, but to pull it off with the emotion he does, probably not easy. I love the fact that we haven't picked the same solo yet. This is fantastic. I know. I figured we would. Well, I'm sure we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we will. Jerry, what's your number three? Uh, number three, I'm hoping is going, I'm hoping you're going to gasp at this one, Max. <laughs> it's Chain Lightning. From oh, Presto. wow. You know why? That was all... Started, sorry, yep, that was on my list. Was that on your list? Yeah. Yeah. It is so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. I mean, exactly what we were talking about earlier, Max, where Getty and, and uh, Neil do something different. It just kind of goes dun, 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 dun. And then Neil is just kind of like, you know, yeah. playing in the background. He's like doing some some rim shots or whatever. And Gal, uh, Getty is, is playing a little bit. And then Alex, what's he doing? Yeah. Swooping and bending. And he probably has to retune that guitar. It's probably shot for like a month after playing that solo, <laughs> man. It is just bending everywhere. I'm surprised that the whammy bar is just like off. Like he just tears it right off. I hear you. And I thought the same thing. I thought, oh my God, how did like, I would not have the confidence to do that live without for fear of bent of breaking the string. And, <laughs> and I honestly don't know how much, I don't know what guitar he used on that album. So I don't know how much was whammy bar and how much was just bending. Cause he bent crazy high. Um, but that that's, that's a sort of a talking, you know, that guitar is saying something solo, you know, it's, right. it, uh, without like a bunch of effects making that talking happen it's it is the it is his fingers and his bends and whammy that's making that thing happen but yeah memorable solo absolutely that was that's one of the ones i listened to several times on the way here <laughs> i love the fact that we got a presto song in the list yeah that's great i know thank you very much i tried very hard for that one what about you steve what's three Maybe it's because I've heard this song so much that it was the first one that came to my mind, but it's Tom Sawyer.
so perfect for the song as usual. Fits so perfectly with Getty's bass line. Just an amazing solo. I found a quote from Alex on this one also. He said, my strongest work is the spontaneous stuff. And I try so hard not to think when I'm playing, particularly solos. When I get analytic, I lose my sense of direction and get too focused on details and sections. The key to my soloing is to let my heart take over. I close my eyes and hope that my fingers land in the right spot. <laughs> he said that about Tom Sawyer, which, which is so right on. Well, they, they do. I can tell them they do. <laughs> in the right spot. <laughs> if you're listening, Alex. If you're listening, Alex. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when, you're, when, you, when you are able to connect with your emotions and your heart like he does, I think that they're always going to, his fingers are always going to land in the right spots. You know, I think it's when he's not doing that. And you can't, you can't always do it, especially around the road and Lord knows what's going on. You can't always be fully in touch with your emotions and heart. But when you are, it's effortless, I think. And, and or at least for Alex, it appears effortless and always hits the right note. And again, a great example of a solo serving the song. Yeah. That solo section in Tom Sawyer, all three of them are just amazing on it. So believe it or not, we're, we're to number two already, Max. I can't wait to hear it. What is your number two? My number two is from All the World's a Stage. Oh. And it's by Torn the Snow Dog. Oh. <laughs> that was on my list. I wanted to pick Bytor so badly. Yeah, the studio version, but yeah. Yeah, they're both amazing. I mean, if the song is three-quarter solo, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <kinda helped. days of listening to rush was you know having i think i had all the world's a stage before i had fly by night and just playing the hell out of that thing and understanding it and even though i didn't know the lyrics but having a little breakdown of the different parts of bitor and uh, this is i think it was originally called of the battle and they changed it to the battle mm -hmm. between bitor and the snow dog but that solo absolutely tells the story of a battle yeah the aftermath you know, the wasteland of a battlefield after it's over and the smoke and char and, and then, and then getting yourself back up and carrying on. That solo is just, it's a little mini symphony in a great song. Yeah, absolutely. That whole song is just insane. Insane. It is insane. It's a crazy so, song. All right, Jared, where do your number two? What you got? Well, number two is between sun and moon from counterparts. <gasps> wow. Look, another gasp. I love it. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite albums too, by the way. Just an amazing record. 
I think this solo is unique among all of Alex's solos. Just for the just for the tone, the way the tone of the solo matches the tone of his guitar and the rest of the song. But also, he must be picking this, right? He's not playing this with a with a. I mean, he's using his fingers. He's he's plucking instead of picking, right? That's what it sounds like to me. I I thought he was well. Who knows? Of course, but uh, Caveman Kevin Caveman surely would know. That's the producer, right? But I just assumed he was picking it and doing like doubles, and and maybe there's a little a little double track in there, which is not dishonest. Uh, I just thought he was playing like you know two note things or three note things at the at a time and and picking with a pick as I'm just holding on to a pick. You're holding on to pick right there, yeah. Yeah. It just to me, it just sound it just sounds like his fingers. Do you know what I mean? This is that no, I just that I can't even describe the the noise, the sound of this solo, and it's such an unusual solo because it's again, it's not going all over the place, right? Right, it's just kind of bouncing in the same kind of space the whole time. But again, fits the song perfectly. Yep, it's it's just astounding. Well, now I'm I'm going to listen to that again because I I gasped more over counterparts because it's one of my favorite <laughs> my favorite Alex records. And of course, you know I'm sure you guys know the big arguments between you know Kevin Shirley and Alex on Alex wanting to use all his effects that he normally uses. And you know to to Kevin Shirley's credit, got him to strip that down, which yeah. I think has a lot to do with the sound and tone of those solos. And, and maybe that's what's helping hear it. But um, fantastic choice, of course. And I love that song on Counterparts, one of my favorites. Yeah, it is one of my favorites too. Yeah. Steve, do you have a number two? My number two is from Permanent Waves, and it is Jacob's Ladder. Hmm. That's a jaw drop. <laughs> I did a jaw drop, not a gas, a jaw drop. <laughs> This is just a case of Alex's solo carrying the entire song. The song's over seven minutes long. The solo starts at 150, right at the beginning of the song. <laughs> the solo really is the melody of the song for most of the song, don't you think? Instead of vocals, it's, it's Alex. Yeah. And it's just incredible how he captures the emotion of that song and always one of my favorites. Yeah, and that song has a lot of space in it too for the for his solo to just kind of play. Yeah, you know what I mean. There's a yeah. lot of empty space in between the instruments. Yeah, very very open. And, and you know, because um, I saw the I don't know if you guys saw the the Cinema Strangiato that was out recently, mm -hmm. but Jacob Flatter was in that from the R40 show and or tour, and it was amazing. You could see how much Alex was loving his what he was doing during that. So how much he was, you know, closing his eyes and just playing from the heart. And a great album. I, and I just, I had a, I, when you said permanent waves, I could think of, you know, several. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the amazing thing is we've gone through now, what have we done? 12 different choices and they've all been different. We've got to our number one. Can we do it? Can we pick three different solos? Max, you're first. 
if I if I put money down, I would say we're going to line up here somewhat. Okay, if I'm entirely. Uh, the solo I picked is Lavia Strangiato from Exit Stage Left. Wow, great choice. That is a great choice. bumps every time from start to finish in my opinion like that's the one thing i would probably never change on my list is number one i think love Estrangiato is probably always going to be my number one alex solo you know talk about your guitar gently weeping is which is how it starts and then he gets into that sort of jazzy interlude and then he just you know cranks up the volume because you could see like if you watch him live he's got the volume knob down on his guitar which makes it a little less distorted and a little cleaner and then at the end there are those end screams and cries and bends he's got that volume knob wide open and oh just glorious i was going to ask if you were going to narrow it down to like one solo in that song i know <laughs> it's every solo it's uh, yeah well that's interesting i had that question you know like what if there's well, what if like so many of these songs have more than one solo but i assume true. We, we get to cover them all if it's if we're picking a song it's all the solos right so jerry i think i know what your number one is yeah you know what my number one is my number one of course is limelight oh it has to be limelight it's always limelight Limelight had me at hello. You know what I'm saying? Every single time. <laughs> Limelight is the answer to everything. I cannot disagree. And I think Alex would agree with you because whenever he talks about his solos, Limelight is always the one that comes up as, as his, one of his favorites, if not his most favorite. And when I interviewed him, same thing. And, and every time he brings up a solo in general, like what's your favorite solo, Alex, he always brings up Limelight that I've seen. 
Yeah, it's just everything that we've been talking about. It's, you know, it's beautiful, it's melodic, it's emotional, it has a lot of technique, but not a lot of, you know, doodly doodlies all over the place. No, no spaghetti, uh, no, no, no Yeah, right. It is just perfect from beginning to end. And at the end, too, it just kind of like, you know, hangs on that one note. Yeah. Oh, it's just amazing. Great choice. It is. And another example of Getty and Neil just supporting their brother Alex with yeah. be able to do what he does there. Steve, do you agree? I agree with Max. Number <gasps> one is La Villa Strangiato. I'm going to go with the studio version, though, just to make it different. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. you love limelight jerry but to me this is alex's masterpiece i agree with max 1000 percent. so emotional you can just picture him just closing his eyes and just letting this happen yeah and you know the way it builds is just amazing it's so emotional and at the end he just tears us all a new one <laughs> I, I wish i could describe it as well as max did but that's my number one well is there one of the solos that's your favorite within that yeah within that steve I would say the last one yeah. is my favorite out of all of them. But, you know, just as a whole, that song and the solos in that song are just number one. Has to be. Yeah, it's, you know, I, whenever I go to a Rush show, <clears throat> I, I don't look at the set list. I go dark. I stop listening to Rush. I don't. I make sure I don't check out anything on the news or on, on social media or whatever about the tour because I want to be surprised. But also during when I'm at the show, all night, I'm going to hope they play Lavia. I hope they play Lavia. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, thank God a bunch of times they have. And in the last shows, um, although I don't think they played it, did they play it on R40? I don't remember if they did. I don't remember either. Yeah. He broke out the white Gibson ES355, which was his early guitar and what he used back then. And it's just such a great marriage. And that there's the big solo that, that Steve and I are talking about that is this masterpiece. But then later on, he does another silly solo. Yeah. You know, he does that sort of, I'm going to make this guitar talk to you in its own language. Right. So Max, you mentioned uh, what you thought Alex's number one solos would be. I found an article on musicradar.com where he gives his top three. Oh. So I'm going to go through Alex's top three solos. So number three is Free Will, which is probably mm. what you were thinking of when I said Permanent Waves, right? Absolutely.
Alex says, it's a really hard solo to play. I think I feel a certain amount of pride in that fact alone. Every time I play it, I'm amazed I got through it. It's so <laughs> frenetic and exciting. The rhythm section too, Getty and Neil are all over the place. It's probably one of the most ambitious pieces of music Rush has ever done. I fully That's number three. I'm speechless. I can't say. What can I say? Because free will. Well, we're going to go for our honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah. So Alex's number two is Kid Gloves. (gasps) No way. Way. Oh, you made my day. (laughs) Alex says that song from our Grace Under Pressure album, what I like about the solo is it's the opposite of limelight. (laughs) It's got a hip kind of slinky attitude, a little goofy humor. When I play it, I feel a certain confidence, almost like a prankster, which is not the way I am in real life at all. Is that true? I don't can't imagine that's <laughs> Was true. Was there like parentheses <laughs>, laughs after that or something? Yeah. What's funny about it, too, is it has a plot to it, and I only realized that after I recorded it for the first time. I never have a plot in mind when I'm recording solos. I always just kind of wing them. The Kid Glove solo guided me. It's like I knew what it wanted to be, and I just had to allow myself to follow. Okay. Let me ask you this question. How many guitarists can describe their solos like in those ways? Do you know what I mean? Who's, who's describing a solo like Alex just described the solo from Kid Gloss? Nobody. Because all of what he said is true, but nobody else can describe solo, their own solos like that because it's just stuff's not in there, even no matter how good the solo is. I fully agree. I th- and you said, and the key part, I think what you said there is because what's in those solos is not what's in the other guitar player solos. Yeah. You know, I mean, Gilmore could, if, you know, I don't mean to keep going back to him. He's, he's a genius and, and I'm is. a big guitar heroes, but you know, none of those things would ever apply to a David Gilmore solo. Right. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. I, it's just, and I think it goes back to the emotional connection, you know, and him coming from the heart. So Alex is number one. You were correct, Max, and he agrees with Jerry. It is limelight. Of course he does. I love the elasticity of the solo. It's a very emotional piece of music for me to play. The song is about loneliness and isolation, and I think the solo reflects that. There's a lot of heart in it. It's a feel thing. You have to feel a solo as you play it. Otherwise, it's going to sound stiff. Mm. Yep. That's why, that's why I can't play solos. <laughs> I have no, I have no feeling. <laughs> well, there's ways to get you there. Um, yeah. And I've, I've, I've heard him talk about it and he's right. And that is a great example of that solo belongs to that song. Yeah. So Max, why don't you give us your honorable mentions? I'm sure there are a billion of them. Maybe you can narrow it down to, you know, a few. I, I will. I, I'm going to ask you guys a question first. Sure. So what did you base your choices on? Like, what was the criteria, the top criteria, if there was some commonality there? For me, it was Mm. just the solos that I thought of first, the ones that were top of mind for me when I thought of great Alex solos. Those five were the ones that I thought of. Yeah, and I think for me, a lot of Alex's solos you can hum along to, (laughs) if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Again, it's hard to find a solo where you're just like, I, I could hum you the solo to no one at the bridge if you wanted to. It's just, there's just something about it. I don't know why it is, but these solos get stuck in my head. Yeah. The solos of the song. I just, all of a sudden, I'll just be like, oh, there's the solo to, to Limelight. And yeah. you just kind of like play along in your head. I just, I just don't do that with other songs. So it's, it's, first of all, there are so many. 
Right. And these are just the ones that when I started thinking about them, I'm like, yeah, I like that one. And if I could recall it in my head, I'm like, oh, it must be pretty good if I can just kind of hum it along in my head. Yeah. I mean, they're so melodic, right? Yeah. It's crazy. You know, and there's a lot of solos out there. You can, there's, there's nothing to hum. There's nothing to hum. You're, you're probably closer to if you just tap on your desk or something. You could you know, maybe do the rhythm. Right. What was your criteria, Max? My criteria, I, so I wanted to kind of mix it up a little bit arrow-wise. I also wanted to mix it up as far as like the free will and analog kid and, you know, and the songs I picked, um, like the weapon that have a lot of stuff going on and balance it with the more emotional stuff. And the reason I didn't pick limelight was because I felt like it was the heavy hitter. Mm -hmm. Like we need to, you know what I mean? We need to give some other solos some love because that solo gets so much love, but you're right. And, and um, I love it. And just want to add to about Limelight, I love at the end of that solo, when you talk about that note that just carries over, just glorious, beautiful note. And live, how he has to do that and tap a delay and get the timing just right and just does it effortlessly and is back playing the song while that note, you know, delays on. It's, it's just a thing of beauty. So, you know, that, a uh, goosebumps, you know, emotion, fitting the song it just but again you could you know what alex life's song does that not apply to right so what were the choices that you left off your top five that you were pained to leave off uh, so many so i will say so i also had analog kid and it came off this afternoon i'm like sorry analog (laughs) kid. i think i bumped it for marathon in fact and so i have just I'm just going to give you some random choices here. Farewell to Kings and Cinderella Man. Oh, mm. Cinderella Man. I love that one. Oh. Yeah. Both also like classic Alex solos, both fit the song beautifully. Um, and again, just emotion. And, and on those recordings, you know, you could actually, if you listen closely, you could actually hear Alex like gripping the neck and his hands and moving. You hear more than just the notes. There's, especially on Cinderella Man, there's some stuff in there that, you know, when, check it out, the studio version I'm talking about. I also want to add, when, when you mentioned Lamneth, Jerry, uh, I had the solo from Necromancer. Oh, nice. Which is also very beautiful. And I'm really thinking of two solos in there. And especially when that band, when it comes in and there's just this manic, you know, go wild thing. And he just goes and goes and just, go, just tees off on this really amazing badass solo. And then... Uh, and then goes into the classic, you know, melodic bend, you know, note bending solos of that he does. So, Jared, what'd you leave off? Well, I left off Free Will. Yeah. Even though I wanted to put that on there so bad. I left off La Villa, even though I really wanted to put that on there. Working Man. Uh, or not. That's a great one. That's a great one. Especially First album I- Gold. Um, and Headlong Flight was another one I wanted to put on. Oh, yeah. Oh. And Headlong Flight is, is, you know, it's kind of counter to the other ones I have in there because he's just going, you know, ham from second one. <laughs> he is going ham. He is. That's so true. <laughs> but it is not, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds, it just sounds beautiful, even though he's just like ripping it from, yeah. this, from the first second. It, maybe it's the effects he has on it. I don't know. It just doesn't sound like one of those wanking solos to me. And it is a headlong flight. That solo Right. Like, like if you describe that solo, it's, you know, imagine a headlong flight. Right. <laughs> Just somebody tripping their way forward. Yeah. Over and over and over and over and over again. Steve? Well, I have a bunch that we've already mentioned, but I, I've got some that we haven't. Uh, 2112 Overture, mm. Bastille Day, mm. and Anthem. 
Yeah, anthem. Uh, I mean, the solo and anthem is crazy, and yeah. I I was very reluctant to leave it off, but I had no choice, unfortunately. Yeah, because you only gave us five songs or five solos, <laughs> not fifty, not fifty. So, so to wrap things up, uh, guys, do you think that Alex has any equal as far as his solos go? Is there any other guitarist out there that that could possibly match him in your mind, Max? Well, what what a tough question. Um, I mean, I tend to listen to a lot of the same artists and sometimes struggle to find new new music that I really can get into. So I will say, you know, Jeff Beck comes to mind, but it's unfair because he's a solo, you know, his stuff's intro, instrumental, he's mm-hmm. 89% of it, but he serves the song. His solos are the song and they're not just look how fast I can play. Look at how complicated these scales are. He's really saying something with every single note. It's just sometimes that's the whole song and that's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, nobody can do Jeff Beck. I mean, you know, people can learn it, but only Jeff Beck can do Jeff Beck really and it also comes down to the writing you know jeff beck can write those jeff beck songs it's one thing to learn a song but to actually be the one who came up with it is is it's obviously much much harder so jeff Beck comes to mind and he's the only one but really as i you know i think said at the top of the show nobody serves a song better you know nobody serves a song better nobody emotes and is as original and melodic and thoughtful and just wicked and you know like you know nasty and silly and funny and sad and and happy and all just a myriad emotions that he can bring out of these things and and he can get these instruments his guitars can talk and say something beyond just you know a blues feel or a you know rock feel or whatever it's amazing yeah and the thing about Alex's solos is that he's never falling back on some tried and true thing that he's done all the time. It seems new every single time. Agreed. And we have a new album of Alex's work to look forward to. Envy of None's going to be coming very soon. And I can't wait to hear what he does with that. Yeah. I did not know this. Oh, you're not aware of this? No. Yeah. He's got a new project with Andy Curran and a vocalist named Maya Wynn. It's called Envy of None. And the album's going to be out any moment now. Oh. Yeah, who knows when? How exciting. Yeah. One more thing I wanted to add about, about Alex, because we can, it's just a three hour podcast. How long do we have? It is. Okay. It is. Uh, it's also his use of effects is also, I think, you know, at the very top, I can't think of another guitar player who uses effects so creatively and to help tell the story and, you know, uh, and serve the song like like he does. So I'm super stoked about that. Victor is one of my favorite albums. I know it didn't get a lot of love, but I just love the guitar work on Victor. And I love that whole, the Victor poem piece, which is dark and creepy. Well, I think we can all agree we love Alex Lifeson and we love having you on the Something for Nothing podcast. Max, thank you so much for coming back. We loved having you. Uh, you know, I love being on here. You guys are the best. I love that you're keeping the flame lit and so grateful for you. And this was just great. Thanks again, as always. So, Jerry, I'm going to use my word again. That was fantastic. It was fantastic. And you know what? It wasn't as hard for me as the top five albums or the top 10 songs, because there are so many great Alex solos. You can't go wrong, you know? Yeah. I'm no, I, I, yeah, you can't go wrong. And I have to confess, I wanted to put Limelight in my top five, but I knew 
Limelight was going to be number one for you. So I just wanted to talk about something different. So I deliberately left Limelight off. Well, that's the thing is that, you know, <laughs> you can do that because there are other solos that are as good. Yeah. I'm not going to say any are better. I'm just saying as good. I wouldn't have made it my number one. It still would have been La Villa. Really? But I would have put it in my top five for sure. But I left it off because I figured, you know, Jerry's going to talk about limelight. So I know I'm, <laughs> I'm so predictable. Sometimes you're so predictable. You can find us on Twitter. We are at rush Fancast. Instagram. You can find us at the rush cast email, Jerry, let him know what you thought of our conversation with Max Mobley. Give us your top five, Alex solos. We'd love to hear it. The rush cast at gmail.com. The bass intro and outro that's Lex. Happy holidays, listeners. And Jer, hope you have a quote to wrap this up for us. I do, and it's from the song that contains the best Rush solo. La Villa? There's no, <laughs> there's no lyrics in that song. Living on a lighted stage approaches the unreal to those who think and feel in touch with some reality beyond the gilded cage. Thanks, Jer. All right, see you later. <laughs>